Welcome to the Popcorn Wine Down with Tammy and Eddie. Grab your popcorn, get yourself a glass of wine, and come hang out with us as we discuss TV shows, movies, music, and pop culture. Welcome to this week's episode of the Popcorn Wine Down. Thank you for joining us. I'm Eddie. And I'm Tammy. And this week we are going to be reviewing the K-drama, Itawan Class. I am so excited. But first, let's get to the wine down. Um, this week is a lot of casting news. But before we begin, I want to send a big shout out to all the Emmy winners, especially the Black people of color. They cleaned up at the Emmys. Um, the Watchmen was one of the big winners. Uh, Regina King won for her role in The Watchmen, and I'm already making this plea. Tammy, can we please, 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 please review The Watchmen? Please. Yeah, it didn't get a second season. It wasn't supposed to. It was already, it was originally planned as a one season limited series drama. So please, please, no, can we do good. The Watchmen? That's good. They, they got the Emmys. They don't need our attention. <laughs> they do. It's so good. Okay. Well, our wives still continue to try to get her to agree to The Watchmen. Uh, go ahead and check it out on HBO Max or HBO. It is awesome. And, um, yeah, I'm going to keep working on that. <laughs> and also a shout out to Zendaya, who made history as the youngest actress to win um, Best Lead Actress in a Drama. So here I am on my hands and knees making another <laughs> plea. Uh, can we please, please, please review Euphoria? Please. I would if I was entertained by the three episodes that I watched. I watched the first three episodes and granted, I see what everybody's saying. She did a phenomenal job in the in the episodes that I watched, but I was not entertained at all. Like I was not trying to go for that fourth episode. So unfortunately that's gonna be a no. As you listen to that, keep in mind, this is a woman who has never seen a Sean Connery Bond movie. So um, I'm going to continue to work on that, too. And we all got our own Bond that we love. Euphoria is amazing. Zendaya was amazing. It might just have to be a pop review on the website, thepopcornwindsdown.com. Big shout out and plug to our website. Um, So keep a lookout for that. Um, also, Ellen premiered this week to big ratings, and some people are asking if that was because of um, because of the controversy or in spite of the controversy. We'll never know. Um, she did issue an apology and address all the controversy um, during the premiere. Um, a lot of current and former employees spoke out saying that they weren't too happy with the apology, but um, we'll see. What was happens. it like a non-apology that she did? Um, she she acknowledged uh, some of what happened, you know, it's traditional Ellen dry humor jokes, but she did acknowledge that a lot of things went on that she wasn't aware of, that she should have been aware of because the show has her name on it, how, you know, so I guess she's going to be more attentive to those things. But also she promoted Twitch, who was the DJ uh, or who is still the DJ um, to uh, co-producer. So he's now one of the co-producers of the show. Um, so we will see if they actually, if things behind the scenes change. Because you know now uh, that it's been brought to light, people aren't just going to silently put up with the crap anymore. So hopefully 
you know um i actually when i watch the show i i, I like it i i usually just watch depending on who's on there um but you know there's some times when i think her interviews are a little lacking and um there are times when i think gosh does she still want to do this from what i've seen you know uh you you, you know you never know what happens um in casting news i'm excited about this news yara shahidi from blackish and grownish have you I have, I have. Don't don't be coming for me. <laughs> I'm not coming from you. I'm just trying to build on our list to see what I have to do as a pop review or what we can actually yes, talk about. I have watched Grownish, um, and I am a huge fan of Blackish. So, and I and I love Yara. Like I I think she's just a phenomenal young actress in Hollywood today. Like she's just great. She is, and um, you know, so she has been cast as Tinkerbell. Very excited in um, Peter Pan live action. Now, I have a question: Is this one of those uh, play things that they like to do on TV, or is this actually going to be a movie? No, it's actually going to be a movie. So, um, hopefully, it makes up for the trash that was Mulan live action. Okay, that we reviewed last week. You can listen to our um, our lovely review of how we both agreed, which is very, very rare, <laughs> that Mulan was lacking. Um, but this is going to be a live action. I think she may be the first cast member um, for the movie. So it, but it is going to be kind of like Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast and um, Mulan, which is live action. Oh, okay. So that's cool. I, I look forward to it. And yes. Um, they really need to make up for uh, that trash that was Milan, and I hate saying that because oh yeah, just yes. listen to the podcast. I, I, I talking about to like it. the movie so much, but um, you know, yeah, listen to the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's triggering me. I'm getting PTSD <laughs> just talking about it. So, um, in other news, Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson, is getting his own series at Disney Plus, and. I'm excited, but this also filled me full of trepidation. And uh, yes, I know you're rolling your eyes and you just probably said, what the hell? And Tammy always accuses me of talking like a human dictionary. And I do. I'm sorry. That's just yes. how I talk. So um, the word of the day for today is trepidation, trepidation. Which, means, <laughs> which means fear. So see, I told the people what it means too. Um, but is it going to get that Disney treatment? Like, are they going to water it down? Will he still be able to be Nick Fury? Like, Samuel L. Jackson, I love him because he's the king of my of my favorite word ever. Fuck and motherfucker. So <laughs> I said it. But And so, yes, I talk like a dictionary and a sailor at the same time. Uh, but I just don't want... And, of course, it's Marvel, so, you know, they, he doesn't just cuss a lot anyway, but he's still a badass. So will he still be able to be a badass on Disney Plus? I guess we'll have to That's- wait to see exactly how they're going to do his character because I do know, like, in the Marvel movies, he's not the same badass that he usually plays in his other movies because he's not able to curse as, mu- as much, but he still has his badassery, if that's a word. <laughs> he still has his badassery, even as he's not able to fully, like, throw out curse words, every other word and everything like that. So hopefully at least they bring, like, the power and control that he has as the leader of the Avengers, because, um, you know, he's the unofficial leader of the Avengers um, that he had in the movies. I'm hoping that they don't water him down in the TV show. Yeah, and it, it's now making sense why Netflix suddenly, like over the last couple of years, canceled all of their 
Marvel series that they had, like the Iron Fist, which, you know, got was panned. So people pretty much thought that was coming. But uh, Daredevil and Jessica Jones, um, because we we now know that Disney was Disney Plus was coming. But um, a lot of people thought they would be picked up by Disney Plus. But were they too rough for Disney Plus? So that's that's my thing. I don't want Disney to just take this and turn these into live action cartoons because that's not what they're about. So um, we will see uh, if I have a right to be filled with trepidation in regards to this casting with fear. <laughs> But thank you. Uh, but also one casting item that I'm really excited about. One of my favorite actors. I've loved this man since um, the show Leverage, and he is beautiful, and he is gorgeous, and he is an amazing actor. Aldous Hodge has been uh, cast as Hawkman in the new Black Adam uh, movie coming from uh, DC. And I might as well say series because Black Adam is going to be played by Dwayne Johnson and everything, the, the Rock just has the Midas touch anyway. So, you know, it's probably going to get a series. And if they can continue on with, uh, you know, the Batman and all of that, then they can do Black Adam. I guess I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm really excited about that. <laughs> and um, Speaking of le- leverage, there's also supposed to be a leverage reboot. Woo! So I'm excited about that. Um, and the whole cast is coming back, but I don't know about Timothy Hutton. I know he had some of his own Me Too issues. I don't know if he's going to still be in that. Do you know? Um, no, I think that uh, the dude from ER. Oh, my God, I forgot his name. <laughs> oh. Noah, Noah Wiley. There you go. Um, yeah, he is going to be uh, the new leader of the crew on leverage so he's going to be taking over that role on leverage and it's going to be a whole new character that has been created for him um but i'm really really excited because to be honest timothy hunt's character was not even my favorite like he was my least favorite of the group um so i'm okay with that i'm okay with him not coming back for the for the remake or the reboot um, yeah, I agree. His character did become a little stale. I, I really loved Audis's character and Christian Kane's character. And I, I love the supporting cast more so than I watched for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the Berlanti universe, also known as the CW uh, network, everything on the CW seems to be produced by, by Greg Burke. <laughs> yeah. Um, all those shows are headed back into production um, within the next couple of weeks. And that also includes all the superhero shows, The Flash. Um, they're still calling it the Arrowverse, believe it or not, even though Arrow is no longer. Um, but Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl, which is unfortunately ending after six seasons. So this is yeah. the final season of final Supergirl. Final season. <laughs> um, I may have to watch it more often. I kind of checked out a little bit, um, but, you know, we'll see. And... But uh, it, he also produces one of my favorite shows on CW, All American. Um, we are definitely doing an All American review, are we not? Yes, we, we are. Yes, we are. Okay. That's one of okay. my favorite shows okay. as well. <laughs> okay. So you heard it here, people. You heard it here, Wine Downers. We are doing an All American review. Yes, I'm down um, for it. Okay. And this is us. Um, their premiere has also been moved up to the 27th of October. Now, I don't generally watch This Is Us. I keep up with it. I watched the first season and I I cried after every episode. I'm like, oh, this is too dramatic for me. Too I, dramatic. I'm not that. 
I'm not that person, but I keep up with it. I know what's going on. I know who's doing what. I know all the characters. But one of the things I'm really anxious to see is they are going to film, have the first uh, real sex scene to be filmed during a pandemic. And I'm really excited to see that. And I know that sounds kind of voyeuristic and pervy, but it's not. <laughs> uh, it comes from a purely professional point of view um, as a future director. Like, And I can tell the difference. Um, one of my favorite shows, General Hospital, uh, the soaps were the first ones to actually go back into production. And when they first went back, you could tell that they were that they were adhering to all the social distancing rules and protocols. And there wasn't a lot of human contact. And you could see them trying to sit, like have conversations six feet apart, one character on one end of a couch and another character on the other. But as more time has passed, you can see that they're slowly but surely um, getting closer to each other, having more interaction. They even had kissing scenes, but they haven't had those soap opera sex scenes. Full that on known passionate, for. passionate yeah. scenes. Yeah, um, they've alluded to the characters having sex or having slept together, but it's not anything that we as an audience actually seen. So I'm sure that um, from a purely professional standpoint, not only am I, but others are interested to see how it's going to be done, at least for now in this age of new normal um, with This Is Us. So I will probably tune in just to see that. And uh, speaking of other premieres that uh, of a show that I've watched, but not a regular on my rotation list is The Neighborhood. And it's on CBS and it's a really great show starring Cedric the Entertainer. And oh, I'm Max. I'm having I'm having a brain fart, but I love <laughs> Max Greenwood. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. The neighbor, yeah, yeah, the neighborhood. But it, their season premiere is going to deal purely with Black Lives Matter movement, which is really interesting because the, it's set in a neighborhood in South Los Angeles, and it deals with the gentrification of that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it's a great show. It just hasn't made the full rotation, but I will go back and watch it. And every time I watch it, I, I do enjoy it. So. I, I, I definitely agree. Like it hasn't been able to make it onto my TV schedule because I just have so many shows that I follow already. But I do every once in a while go on on demand and watch an episode of it. And I'm always entertained every single time that I watch an episode. So I'm excited to see how they do their um, season three premiere with the whole Black Lives Matter focus. Well, maybe we can talk, maybe we can review that and, uh, you know, since we don't watch it, but, uh, or regularly, but maybe we can review the episode. So, uh, that's also something I'm lobbying for. I will leave a big question mark in the air about that. Um, you are lobbying a lot of things right now. (laughs) I know I have to do it publicly so I can have it on record that we've had this conversation. TJ, that's a good strategy. It's a great strategy. (laughs) So I'm leaving a question mark, but if we don't, if it doesn't make it on air, then check out the pop reviews on the popcorn wind down again. We need like, um, we need like one of those plug sound effects. <laughs> plug, yes. But, um, so check it out. But anyway, um, and also we have Suicide Squad news. Now John Cena's uh, Suicide Squad spinoff um, is going to HBO Max. And everyone's really excited about the Zack Snyder uh, version of Suicide. He, he uh, recut it um, to with some of the movie that he shot along with some of the final product. But ever since the whole Ray Fisher scandal happened with Joss Whedon, um, Zack Snyder said that even though it's coming to HBO Max, that's still not good enough. He feels like his movie has been tarnished and he actually wants to reshoot the whole movie. So um, we will see what happens with that. And... 
finally, we had that moment that we both tend to love, that we both come to love, the K-pop section of the wind down. <laughs> yes. So, our boys, Bangtan, the BTS boys, they are doing a lot. Next week, they are taking over the Tonight Show. Every night, they are going to be on the Tonight Show with skits, um, performances, uh, Jimmy actually said they're going to perform a new song every night. So I don't know if it's just a different song or if they're going to premiere something from their upcoming album. Who knows? Um, they did an amazing performance on the Tiny Desk on NPR. It was my first time actually hearing them with a live band and they were amazing. It made me want them to do a whole concert with a live band. It just sounded that good. <laughs> and um, if you haven't checked out their UN speech, you should also check it out. Very inspirational. Yes, Timmy has an update on one of our other favorites from G7 or GOT7. You have some uh, Yes, so, okay, I know, like, I am more of in the GOT7 bubble than anybody else. But um, one of their main vocalists, who is just an amazing, amazing singer, um, Young Jay, has just been cast in his second ever. I, I just realized that he has been in, he has acted before. So his second ever role um, in a new Netflix sitcom called I Wish the World Would End Tomorrow about international college students coming together in Seoul, South Korea to go to school and just interact and everything like that. So I'm really, really excited to see that because they say that his character is kind of supposed to be how his character is um, when they do interviews for GOT7. So, and I love how he is in interviews. So I'm really, really excited to see how that goes for him. <laughs> I, yeah, it sounds exciting. I love Young Jay. I love Got Seven. Not crazy about the title, especially in 2020. <laughs> but, oh. you know. <laughs> hey, hey, how, the, how the world is going, you never know. <laughs> yeah, so we might not want to put that title out into existence. And you also have an update on one of the K-pop uh, kings, one of the star wars of the K-pop industry, Shiny. Yeah, so um, of course if you have listened to our BTS episode and if you haven't, you should go and listen to our BTS episode. We do mention... Episode 5. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do we're mention, now on Spotify. We do mention that in South Korea, every single male when they turn 28 years old must serve um, at least a year and a half in the military. It's mandatory military service. Um, and one of the K-pop groups from the third generation, because they have so many, um, from the third generation, Shiny, um, all of their members are currently serving in the military. Well, they were serving in the military. And the last two members that are in the military are going to be released by December of this year. Now, of course, if you do not know who Shiny is, they were like really, really popular. Like they were not on the level of BTS because nobody is BTS. <laughs> um, but they were definitely a very, very popular group before they had to start their mandatory military service. So everybody's wondering how that's going to go. Although Tae Min, who was the youngest member and is still there, like he is part of another group as well as he has his whole solo career. But when all of them come back, he actually starts his military service. So now everybody's wondering, how is it going to go if he's not there? Because he is the most popular member. So how is Shiny going to, you know, come back? What is it? What, when is going to be their big comeback if Taemin is not there? So I'm excited to see it. <laughs> oh, I, I'm excited too. It, it kind of gives us an idea of maybe 
what they're going to do with BTS if and when they have to serve. So we're still waiting for official word on that. Yeah, because if the law if the law changes and um, they exempt, if they exempt BTS from military service, then there are going to be other um, the other big three companies are definitely going to start applying for exemption for their extremely popular groups as well because every single company has one popular group. So I mean, I'm 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 interested to see how all of that is going to go down if BTS is ultimately exempted from military service. Yeah, me too. So stay tuned. We will definitely keep you up to date on that. And speaking of comebacks, be sure to come back with us on the other side of this break as we review Itawan Class. This week we are discussing Itawan Class, the K-drama on Netflix, all about a young man and how he deals with the aftermath of his father's death and his need to make those responsible um, pay for his dad's death. So it is a classic, I don't know, orphan revenge story, whatever, however you want to classify it, it was amazing. So I want to just send a shout out to Tammy and thank her. She is much further down the Korean K-pop, K-drama bubble than I am. I am. And she recommended that we do a K-drama, so I suggested that she pick one. This is probably the third one that she settled on. <laughs> but um, I'm glad she chose this one. Okay, wait, wait. Can I first say, wait, wait, hold up, disclaimer, on... I had to choose one that Eddie would actually want to sit down and watch. I had to ease her into the Korean drama bubble, all right? And after watching like 10 of them so far, I just realized that Itawan Class was the best one that she can sit down and watch and be like, wow, like I I think, yeah, like I really enjoyed that. So I had to choose one because the first one I chose was a romance. (laughs) Um, It was a true drama. And then the second one was action, but I just didn't feel like it would be your first, you know, one to do. So yes. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> well, thank you. I and you know me well. I'm not big on the romance, um, but this it this one was a little bit of everything. It had bits of romance. Um, it reminded me a lot of a U.S. soap, as far as something. Um, I don't know. Maybe like not the new version of Dynasty, but the older version of Dynasty. It kind of gave me that kind of feel. Like though when back when our nighttime soaps were really good and not so, I don't know, soapy or crazy or, you know. Sexualized. It wasn't even, it's not even a sexualization. That bothers me a lot with the teen dramas like Riverdale and all that kind of stuff, you know, but, and I I don't like Riverdale for a bunch of other reasons, but, it, it, I just, I loved it. And so I guess we should get into it, but it spans over 15 years and it starts off with the death of the main character, Park Sorai's um, father. Um, and it shows, it gives you a little background about their relationship, which I loved, even though we only got it for like one episode really, but you just kind of, you really got an idea of how close he and his father were and what losing him did to him and also the things that led up to that death. So um, 
and how he holds this one family responsible for pretty much ruining his life, which they did. And that is the Jang family. And they're in charge of the company, uh, the Jenga company or Jonga company. Uh, So, yeah. But of course, obviously you liked it because you recommended it. Yes. (laughs) I liked it also. And um, see, and how I knew is that, like how I knew like this would be something that I really, really wanted us to review is because I was telling everybody about this show. (laughs) Like I was watching it and I was about, I want to say like between the sixth and seventh episode. And I started talking the show up to everybody that I knew. I'm like, yo, 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 I know you don't, you don't speak Korean. It's cool, but you got to watch this show because in the first episode, all of this happened. They were like, yo, that really happened. Like it was, and they were entertained by me telling them like what was going on in the first episode. And it, it, it was, a, it's a phenomenal show. Like, I, I will say it's a phenomenal show. There's certain things I, I didn't like about it, but you know, that's for every show. But overall, it was just amazing. It had me from beginning to the end. It had me too. And I will say like the first, I started watching it and this week, and you know, we had some really bad rain come through and towards the last 15 minutes of the first episode, our power went out and I was so mad. And I was like, no and I did when I first the first few minutes I was like okay what the hell does she have me watching and (laughs) I remember texting you saying okay I can't talk anymore I'm about to go watch and I mean read it in one class because you gotta read the subtitles yeah but it's kind of like Parasite for those of you besides Tammy who hasn't seen Parasite which you know she's always calling me out (laughs) she's like I knew she was gonna say that don't come for me but you know (laughs) so besides her um, it's kind of like Parasite. You don't even realize that you're reading subtitles. So don't yeah. let the fact that it's Korean and the subtitles are there get in your way. Um, it is really good and it grabs you from beginning to end. Um, starting with him taking up for the kid who's being bullied by, God, um, forgive me if I mispronounce his name, but Gan Wan, John Wan, um, and who actually ends up being responsible for uh killing Sarai's father and it goes to the chairman um who is the chairman is a mo- motherfucker like he's just an, an absolute motherfucker like <laughs> and he, he he and that that motherfuckingness I just made up a word grows <laughs> exponentially second SAT word of the day um it just grows throughout the whole movie uh, the whole series and but his whole goal is to bring um, Sarai to his knees, like literally. And that was one of the things that I loved about it is they would be going off on each other. But since the chairman is so much older than Sarai, basically in English, he just cussed him out lower than a dog, but he's still bowing in respect. Mm-hmm. Every, every single time like he I would still guts. bow down for respect because he's an old he's an older man yeah so it's and I, and I comment to you on that I'm like I love how they go off on each other but they still bow <laughs> like even <laughs> when Suha was saying something so but, disrespectful she was like I must leave now <laughs> <laughs> but no 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 but even then like I feel like their bowing was like a fuck you <laughs> like, yeah it was the person they were bowing to though you know it was almost like giving him a finger, but yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, once Sarai E finds out that, uh, Guan Wan is responsible for his father's death, he beats the crap album. He ends up in jail 
And that was one of the things that was throughout is like, everyone kept thinking that he was just this middle school, like he just had a middle school education because he got suspended right before, right during, during the middle of his senior year. So he never actually graduated high school. And then a couple months later, his dad died and he ends up going to jail for beating the person responsible for his father's death um, in the cover-up, which we'll get to in a minute. But one of the things that kept resonating with me is how everyone held that against him, but he did not let that define his life. Even when he was in jail and he was talking to one of my favorite, who, someone who becomes one of my favorite characters, Sun Quan, he was like, are you gonna let this determine your value or determine who you are in life? And so, and everyone just kind of thought he was stupid because he didn't graduate high school. But when I remember, I can't remember who it was, Suha or someone asked him, well, what are you gonna do here? And he goes, there's a library, they have lots of books. I'm going to learn, I'm going to study the books. So it's pretty much like he got his college education or whatever in jail. And you get the feeling that he was never a stupid kid, you know? But that was one of the things I really loved about him, even though he was kind of stubborn and that's, that stubbornness was a little annoying at times. But um, so, and I know who your least favorite character was, but Suha was mine. Um, uh, oh, no, okay. So I will say that it, it was an equal opportunity situation on the two love interests that he had in the show. Um, I did not hate one of them more than the other. I hated them on the exact same level. And the reason why is because both of them were extremely manipulative because they knew who he was as a person. Um, so because they knew his personality, I thought that both of them had moments where they manipulated him based on his emotions, his feelings, and the type of respect and honor that he had as a person. And I, I just could never get behind that. So I honestly wanted him to end up by himself in this whole thing, <laughs> rather than ending up with either one of his love interests. I hated, I hated both of them so, See, so much. <laughs> I hated, from the beginning, I did not like Suha and I tried, but she, to me, and I think Yiso, who's his second love interest, who was one of my, she was also one of my favorite characters. I think she was so interesting and I saw her growth. And, um, but Suha from the beginning, she was one of those people who always looked down on him, even though she had less than he did. Um, she, she's the one to me who seemed to manipulate him the most because he loved her. And he, and I also like how they say like instead of love. So I'm thinking, um, you know, when they said like, they really meant love. Unlike how when we say we like somebody, it's like, oh yeah, we like them. But no, they used it as love. Like that was their other, their other term for love. But she was like, you know, you're not rich. You're not this, you're not that. Like she never made him feel good, good enough. And he always had to earn her love. And it's like, but she never believed him when he said he was going after his dreams. But she also says in another conversation with Yiso that he always accomplishes everything that he wants. And he's not just, he doesn't talk just to talk, you know? So she knew what he was capable of, but yet it was never good enough for her. And I hated that. I but even with, even with Yiso, um, one thing that I hated is that, I'm sorry, I felt that she forced herself upon him in the end it was kind of like and then everybody else got on board 
on saying, oh no, like he's making all these excuses. He really does love you or he really has feelings for you. That's why he's giving you those excuses about the 10 years and everything like that. And I felt like um, you knew, you knew, even if you did not like her, you knew that he loved um, Suha. He did. And you and you knew it from the very, very beginning. And she was very open. Like, she was very straightforward about, like, what she wanted him to do in order to win, in order to win her over. And that was his goal. Like, his goal first started out as in he is going to do what is necessary to win her. All right. Um, but with uh, Yiso... Like it was, it was manipulative. Like she was even more manipulative, I think, in in some ways, on that she forced feelings upon him, where he had nowhere else to go but just to be like, okay, you know, yeah, I love you. Like, like no. I, I, I felt like it was kind of like an acceptance of the fact that he loved her, rather than you actually seeing him love her. Like I, I don't know. That's no, I see. I got it totally. I saw something completely different. Like to me. Uh, Suha was his first love and you know it's something about that and she was the one that he was always trying to aside from his revenge on Jonga Corp um, Jonga Company Suha was like that that golden thing but it's just like okay so when he first gets out of jail and he goes to Itawan and he sees Suha and it's like okay and she goes well are you going to come up and it's it's almost kind of like he's telling a joke for himself even though he's socially inept he's like but I'm not rich and she just looks at him she goes oh yeah you're right and then she just walks off and every opportunity she had to to say it's okay I still love you for you and to try to help him accomplish his dreams she didn't she she just kind of threw it back in his face now one moment I thought was funny like laugh out loud funny and I had to go back and rewind was when when Suha was drunk and he she and Sarai were walking through Itawan and uh Issa was there watching them have that conversation when Suha was I guess she was coming as close as to she ever was going to be about being honest about how she really felt about him and stuff she was the one I felt like that was making all the excuses you're not this you don't have this you don't have that but when she was about to when they were about to kiss and then all of a sudden Yiso just comes and puts her hand on her mouth and then starts quoting that consensual kiss regulation or whatever that was hilarious like I would have beat Yiso within the inch of her life but that was funny and he looked at her like what the fuck are you doing I hated it (laughs) (laughs) I I, like no I just I I I, I yeah, I, I I could I could not be endearing to her, and I even went on Twitter like I was going and be like, why is everybody trying to say that? Oh, they should end up together. Oh my God, it's amazing! Like all of this, and I'm just like, why? But why? See, She's and I psychotic. Guess, like, she was a psycho. She and see, I didn't think. Okay, she started off, and she but to me, Issa was always very honest about her character. She had sociopathic tendencies. I don't know if she was a true sociopath, narcissist. Yes. But you also saw her growth. Like she never tried, she accepted Sirai as he is. Initially, you know, she says it in her mind, I think it started off as a game with her. Like she wanted to win. And she knew, she made up her mind that she loved him. But the more she, the, when I first started to see, and everyone says that they saw it, like they saw, you saw him gradually fall in love with her. Like she became his best friend. And you just see it gradually. Like from the moment when they're in Panjin, 
meeting with the ex-cop and he tells her about his scars. You know, they had those moments of intimacy where she kind of got to know what he went through, but he never had that with Suha. Suha never really asked him about what he went through in jail, what he went through when he went when he went overseas fishing and all of that. She never asked about that. She didn't care. He so actually took an interest in his life and what made him. And she helped him accomplish all his dreams. Suha was on the other hand was saying, no, come to me each time, come to me after you accomplish this dream. And he even fast forward, he even fast tracked his plan when he went all in into Jenga company and he, and he fast tracked uh, Mrs. Kane trying to take over the company after he told Suha on the bus, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make it so that you can quit your job. You know, he never, so, that to me but Yiso was always there standing beside him helping him and you saw her growth at first she was very she didn't like Yi Hoon very much I know I pronounced her name Hun Hee uh, who was the chef and then when she found out she was transgender her reaction towards her but then Hun Hee actually ends up becoming her best friend you know um, at the end when she I have to say I disagree with that. I don't I don't think it was necessarily I think I believe it was a little bit of being that she was a sociopath and maybe it's because I see it differently, but being that she was a sociopath, she could have no friends. Um she was manipulative until the end. She only ever considered them to be friends when it was something that she needed from that person. They were friends. They were they were they considered her to be a friend to them and they considered them to be close, but I never saw her, I never I never got the or felt for her actually growing as a person where she had built, because I felt that at any moment, if it suited her purpose, she would have dropped every single one of them, except for Seroi. She did love him, and I will deny that she loved Seroi. She did love him, but everybody else was expandable. And yep. as long as it served the purpose, then they were there. But if they no longer served a purpose, or if Seroyi did not threaten her multiple times on how she was acting, she would have dropped every single one of them. In, in the beginning, yes. But when she, she didn't have to call Hunhi um, when she did, when it was at when when she, it was discovered that well, when Gunsu leaked that she was transgender to the news, she didn't have to call her, but she did. And she said, and she admitted, she said, I know you think you know why I'm doing this. I know you think this is a bitch of me to tell you this. But she read her that poem. And so, honey, he was like, no, you're saying that I'm the diamond. I get it. Because Sarah E said, you can run away. But she knew that, hey, if you're not, and Sarah E's the one who actually told her, uh, honey, he, that everything hinged on her winning that competition, winning that best pub thing. It wasn't it was and you know it wasn't um Yiso that did that Yiso could have outed Gunsoon as the one who told uh who leaked it to the press she knew he leaked it and she went and she affront she confronted him but she could have she would have she could have gone back and blew him out of the water at any moment but she never did and then at the end where she apologizes for playing up on his emotions for using him for manipulating him she didn't have to do that there was nothing in it for her. She, he was leaving, you know. So and she, so she realized. So I saw the growth of her through 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 the end. 
you know, um, yeah, there were times when she manipulated where she did live up to her full sociopathic tendencies. But as the show got on, she got better. Was she always, as as my boy Sing Sun Quan said, a rude little brat? Yeah, but that was just her. But, you know, um, she came around to finally accepting that my boy Tony was a Korean. Oh, and, oh my God. And Tony and his grandma. Who knew? At first, I thought his grandma, Mrs. Kim, I thought she was just the neighborhood loan shark. I didn't know she was like the richest character on the show. Oh, I, I like to be honest, like I kind of sus- I kind of suspected that whole thing based on like how the little like I don't know hints that they got on how they acted towards each other and the fact of saying that he was looking for his Korean dad. So I felt like she was a little bit more significant than um just like being the old lady who came to the restaurant. And well, no, I kind of figured the interactions with her and Tony, I kind of figured she was going to end up being his grandmother. What I'm saying is I thought just because of the way she was like when he, when they oh, first Oh, she wasn't as rich as she ended up being. Yeah, I thought she was just like the neighborhood loan shark where they were like, don't borrow money from her, you know? And when she went collecting the rent, like I didn't realize she was collecting rent on her buildings, on the properties mm-hmm. that she on owned. On her owning all of those. <laughs> yeah, I thought she was just going, that they had borrowed money from her to stay in business so I thought she was the neighborhood numbers runner or the loan shark you know you had no idea until she went and confronted the chairman that she was actually responsible for him starting Jenga Co and she was you know the richest woman she was the richest one on the show but grandma was great um so this rivalry with so obviously as you would say we'll have to agree to disagree about Yiso but we do agree Suha was horrible (laughs) Um, what did you think about the chairman? Um, I thought he played his role extremely well. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, you got to give him credit. He is the reason why, um, Seroyi ended up being as successful as he ended up being, as rich as he ended up being, where in the end, he ends up taking over the whole company, um, of his enemy. Um, that was his whole focus. Uh, he, he was ruthless and I loved it. I loved it. Cause never once did he try to not be ruthless. Like he, he, like that's who he was. He was an asshole. He was a horrible father, horrible father. <laughs> he was a horrible boss, a horrible leader, <laughs> like all around. But, um, I, I liked him because he played his role really, really well. Like you, you knew what you were getting every single time that he was on the screen. <laughs> he did, and I don't know what the Korean equivalent of an in, of an Emmy is, but whoever played the chairman, he deserves all the flowers. Okay, yes. he deserves all the things because he played that role to a T. Like every time, and it's so bad. Lord forgive me. I realize this is fiction. He's so hated. I didn't even feel a twinge. I didn't feel bad when he was uh, when it, he was diagnosed with cancer. Oh and, no! And, and I'm like, I, I was clapping. I was like, yes. <laughs> that's how horrible he was. Because I'm like, thank God this is just TV. Because normally I would feel a twinge of something, but for him, I'm just like, karma <laughs> is a karma is a mug. And then I had to say a couple of prayers and I'm like, dear God, please realize that this is just TV. My feelings towards a TV character. I would never wish this in real life. I'm not really this evil in real life. Yeah. But he, he deserved to die. I'm Okay. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite 
scenes was in the first, like the first episode was just genius. It, it was absolutely phenomenal from the beginning to end. I love the first episode. Yes. Um, but when um, Seroyi is in the room and his, like, uh, what, is, what is the son's name? Guan Wan, or you know, you go yeah. with your things. <laughs> when Guan Wan. just standing there because he's just like, Oh, when my daddy show up, or oh, things gonna change because you about to apologize to me because this is what's happening every single time that I act like an asshole in school, I get away with everything. And they're thinking, like, Oh, he gonna come in, your you, um, my dad is your dad's boss, like everything's gonna be good. And what I love, my favorite, favorite scene is when he asks. Um, Siroi's father oh you know what do you have to say about your son because he refuses to apologize and you pause and I'm just like please don't tell me that you're going to try to tell your son about how he needs to apologize or I'm like please don't please don't be that person please don't be that person and he turns to him and says I'm extremely proud yes and, and he gives up his job and and when you see how much it affected Siroi like that whole scene of him refusing to apologize because he had to correct behavior that was horrible. Your son was bullying somebody. He corrected the behavior and you want him to get down on his knees and apologize? And he says no. And I think that was one of the most powerful scenes. And then we have the whole um, 180 when um, Yiso um, is uh, kidnapped. And he has to find out where she is. And only Chairman Yang knows where she is. And he goes and he says, oh, are you ready now to bow? And I knew as soon as he said that, I said, he's going to bow down. Because th this is worth it. Like, she's now worth it. Even if I was in agreement with their relationship, she she's the one person. Like, she is worth him bowing down on his knees. Because it means nothing to him now. Like, yeah. you need it to feel something. But Siroi is gonna bow down and feel nothing. Like it's not, he has lost no, like he hasn't lost any of uh, respect for himself by bowing down to you because he knows there's something more important than him getting on his knees. Yeah. And I, I, I just, I love that. I the, the first scene for the first episode and then that, la ooh. That it was the power like that that just that that tugged at my heart both times like it was just so deep and whoo i'm getting the chills just thinking about it on how great those scenes were <laughs> yeah and and one thing i loved about that scene is that it didn't take Yiso's kidnapping for him to realize he loved her like he was already going to her to tell her that yeah and, that's true and it wasn't forced I know we agree, we disagree on this but you you like I saw it like even Suha saw it it's just like just the things that he said like I need her and she would he was people would ask oh do you need her to run your business and he'd be like yeah and I love the way he just kind of petted his head his own head and rubbed his head and put his head down when he oh my god that was such him. his tell he did it all the time and then Suha was like and then when and then you also knew that he was starting to feel something more for her is when she said well boss aren't you gonna pet me he gets like what she goes when I do something good or when you like what I do you pet me on my head and let me know it's okay and he was like oh yeah about that you know so there are little things that you could start to see but yeah and also at that point it's like you realize this man gave up eternity with the person he loved most in the world ever his dad to come back for this woman so you think bowing down on his knees is something? You think that is going to hurt him? Because not at all. When he woke up from the coma, just the tears that he cried, and Sun Quan was like, "I didn't understand why he was crying at the time, but I felt relieved." And it is like 
you know, it's just like he gave up the thing that he wanted the most besides revenge, which was he thought seeing and being with his father again for this woman. So it's like, yeah, fuck you. I'll bow. Just, and then the way he was just so calm about it, he was like, okay, um, are you going to tell me where they are or not? Like, and then when he tells them, he's like, so how did that feel to you? Like, did was it everything you wanted it to be? And you could tell once the chairman kind of thought about it, it was like empty. Yeah. It, it meant nothing. And, it, and, and that's the thing. He thought it would mean more than it ended up meaning. But it ended up meaning nothing at because, all. Like, because he realized it wasn't, he didn't bring him to his knees. The only reason he did it was just to get what he wanted. So it's like, fuck you. This, this means nothing to me. Especially seeing as how he was already at the level where he was taking over your business anyway. So it doesn't matter. Like you, you lost. Like right. it was, it was his last like moment of so-called success. But you lost. Like Siroe was a success that you said that he would never be. He would never be who you were, and he ended up being more than you. And I, I, that's why I love their dynamic. I think one of the most, the strongest bonds in that whole show was Siroe and the chairman. And the I love strongest bond in that show. And I love how Siroe told the chairman even though you were my enemy I still respect it and I admire yeah. you and he told him and he did pay homage to the fact that hey if it wasn't for you and this hate hate this I guess admiration hate I can't call it love hate but I'll say admiration hate relationship that they had he wouldn't have been who he was you know but um and Jenga core was so toxic because once you see how Guan Su acted or I'm just going to call him Jisoo. But you, once you saw how Jisoo acted, the chairman's illegitimate son, once he went to work at Yanga Corps or Janga Corps, it was, ju- it was just like, this company and this family, they're just fucking toxic. I felt, I, I, you know what? I I think that, that that's the one thing that I was really, really disappointed in. I thought that um, there was something there on him building a bond with... Um, and then it was kind of like snatched away and of course it was snatched away because they ultimately end up falling in love with the same person but um it, it was snatched away when he realized that um Yiso was never going to be his so I, I I didn't I never understood the whole oh yeah I'm gonna be I'm like yo this girl don't like you and she's never gonna like you but okay you go ahead and you try um but I think that that was a lost opportunity on him building a bond with Siroi, who was somebody that could actually be a, a brother to him compared to the crap brother that he had who was trying to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> and Siroi even said, I consider you to be my little brother. Like, you know, and that was the one thing I loved was Siroi's capacity for forgiveness and his understanding and his tolerance. Like, when everyone else found out that uh honey was trans he was like and and they're like you knew and he was like yeah i knew when we worked at the factory but then it it, it cracked me up one of my favorite scenes is okay well did you also know she couldn't cook and why the hell did you hire him he goes she made me a really good lunch one day and i'm like okay <laughs> because they made one thing great you realize this person sucks at cooking but you want them to run your kitchen but i but at the same time when he pays her double her salary in order for her to work double hard 
to become the cook that she ends up becoming. The amount of faith that he had in the people that he chose to keep in his life was phenomenal. Like, it was just amazing on how much faith he had in the people to have his back. And I chose to be there for him, you know? And and I love that because it's like Sun Quan, who was just gangster, he, he, you know, the first time he meets Sarah he kicks his ass in jail. And and you know Sarah could have fought back because Sarah was not a punk himself. But he, it's like, okay. And then a few years later, after he starts Don Bomb, um, you know, Sun Kui comes in and he's like, you keep coming here by yourself and not with the gang. And he's just like, I like the way you work. And Sun Kwan always remembered what he told him in jail about this doesn't have to define your life. And, you know, and you see it like, you don't know the backstory at the time, but when the guy comes in, um, when Yi Soe and Ji Su, when they get busted and that guy comes in, he's drunk and he's being an asshole. And then Song Kwan, after he knocks down Suri and he can't contain it anymore, he just beats the crap out of that dude. It's like, oh, okay. Once you see the backstory, you know where that comes from. And then um, when he tells the boss, at, when he tells his old boss at the end, look, if something happens to them, you don't want me to come back because I'm going to forget that I'm trying to be a decent person. <laughs> Yes, and the boss knew exactly what he was saying because he, he was a, said that. Because he was a crazy motherfucker, you know. And then on the way, on the way there, Sarah is like, "Look, this is gonna go sideways." And basically, Sarah Wee was giving him permission to be the person that he used to be, the person that they all tried so hard to contain and say, "Look, you can't do this kind of stuff anymore." Sarah Wee was basically saying, "Look, I love who you are now. I love Director Troy." I do. You're great. You're one of my best friends. You're my brother. But I'm gonna need that crazy mofo I met back in jail to come out tonight. And he did. So, but I love Sun Quan. And I had an idea for a spinoff that we can talk about in a minute because there's one more thing I want to talk about. What did you think about when Chairman Yang went and got on his knees in front of, like, he almost had me. He almost had me. Um, to be honest, I didn't fall for it. Like I was just like it. It. it, it to I understood the significance of the scene, um, but I love uh, Sarah's reaction. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that, yeah, like that. Like, like, like that. What are you so, doing? Like, like get that was up. So like, 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 doing this? <laughs> yeah, he almost had me, but then I was like, on the same moment, it's like, oh wow. And then I'm like, Sarah, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. And, <laughs> And then when he looks at Yiso, and I'm like, oh God, he's gonna fall for it. But, and then he was just like, um, did you really think you getting on your knees after you lost everything, trying to offer me this bullshit apology was gonna change anything? Bro, I'm a businessman, like get up and let's yeah, talk Yeah, like let's talk business, that's like, what we about. I loved it. Okay, I will say the whole show, the whole show, it's very, very, it's actually a little rare for me to pick the main character of a show to be my favorite. I loved him. Like, he was just awesome in how single-minded he was, how stubborn he was. It could be so annoying sometimes. But also, his heart was just amazing. He had an amazing heart and his mind on how he worked and how he never gave up. Like, I'm like, yo, like, I need to be like Sarah because... He just yeah, kept going. It, like he would get, he would um, be pushed back two, three steps, and he'd be like, "No worries, we gonna add a couple more years to this plan, but we gonna we gonna fulfill this plan. Like we gonna get this done." We'll see. 
he told he told Jung Hu or Guan Wan Ji Wan as we're gonna call him. He told him, "I have a 15 year plan, and we got six more years to go." And it's like, "Oh yeah." Now that was one of my pet peeves: is how the heck did that little girl not age in those six years? I was expecting to see a completely different character in the six years from 2014 to 2020. Not the same little girl. Wait, who? <laughs> Uh, the the distributor's daughter, the guy who ends up falling for Miss Kane. Oh right, me too. <laughs> I was like, okay, in one class, this was your fatal flaw right here. I understand the girl was amazingly cute. She looks so adorable now. But... She was adorable. <laughs> she was, but I'm like, um, in this six years, I'm gonna need y'all to come with it and get <laughs> another character. Okay, just a couple more things before we wrap up. So. Back to his heart, I loved how he always took up for Hun He, but I also loved Tony. Like, that was so funny. Everyone just assumed Tony could speak English, and when they found out he couldn't, they're like, ooh, she gonna fire you? And then at the <laughs> end, like, where he like, comes back and- that's not on me, that's not on me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I loved, how, I loved how they all got scared when someone who spoke English came into the bar, like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And then Tony speaks English at the end. But I was gonna say, I love how he went back and tagged the place. Sarah tagged a place that would not let Tony in. Like that was amazing. Oh yeah, that that was a cute little. That that was like a scene that was just in there. Um, but yeah, yeah. But then that goes back to his heart on how loyal he was yeah. to the people that he chose to keep in his life. He was extremely loyal to those people. Okay, so my final thing. I have two more things. I finally like "Sweet Night" is one of my favorite songs. You know, obviously, B uh, from BTS sings the the theme song to this uh but once you watch it it becomes once you see it one class the song becomes even more beautiful it it, it just became more beautiful it wasn't me the theme I finally, song. well it was one of them that's the one that they play so i called it the theme song <laughs> but it was and damn bam actually means sweet night or honey night i looked it up so anyway um but my idea for a spinoff and I know they would never do it this show attached so many themes that were would be considered controversial for Korean culture uh, the transgender the racism even though it was a shallow attacking they still went there so give them credit for that but um, would be for them to address the elephant in the room between Sun Kwan and Hun He because you know he was in love with he her. was so in, yo, you know I wrote that down I said, um, like, first of all, the actress who played um, Yun Yi, like, di- not at all. Not like when 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 um, she was supposed to be playing a man, not at all. Not at all. Like, I was just like, no, but that's a woman, right? And then when they came around, that's like, what I said. She's she's I, I was like, no, she's not transgender. That is a woman. <laughs> Well, see, what I thought was, and we know we can barely get trans representation here. Yeah. Outside of Laverne and Cox they, and a they, few they others. Couldn't, they couldn't do it in a drama. Like, I fully understand that. They, they couldn't do it. Yeah. But at least, like, so come on. I, make it a little like, I thought, What I thought was, I thought she, I thought it, I thought she was a girl pretending to be a guy for some reason to get ahead. That's what I thought. But when, so I always kind of figured she was a woman, but that it would come out eventually that she was a woman, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe because she worked in the factories or she did those traditional male jobs. But um, I also thought that, you know, but once I figured out she was supposed to be trans, I understood where they went with that and why they didn't cast a trans actor, especially, you know, so we get that. But yeah, and 
I, I I was just like, oh, are they really gonna go there, or are they just gonna keep kind of hinting at it, or losing the fact it for that the whole show? But we all we, that we he did know that um he was in love with her. He, he was in love with her um, at the end. That is the reason why you never saw them with anyone else but each other. Um, and then yeah. the whole club scene where he's dancing behind her and then she turns around and he's just like, wait, what, what, what? What, um, like, what the hell? Yeah, like, of course, yeah. they'll never do a spinoff on, on that. Um, but yeah, like, Maybe. definitely the attraction was always there. And I, and I think that that's kind of what they said made Itawan a little bit different, Itawan class a little bit different is because they they definitely approach certain things that um, Koreans are starting to have conversations about. They're starting to talk about LGBTQ rights in South Korea. And Itawan class is just another way for them to address that compared to like, you know, every other way that they're starting to address it. So it's starting to become more of a focal of um, focus for conversation. And Itawan class just brought the conversation up one more time. Yeah, so I was really proud of that. Okay, so we are at the end of this episode, and it was so great. Um, and or so, what? How many popcorns are you going to give it? Um, so Itawan class, <laughs> I am going to give Itawan class four point seven five popcorns. <laughs> Um, even with the issues that I definitely had with certain characters and certain roles, overall, the show was absolutely amazing. It had my attention from beginning to end. Like, I was binge watching this show where I had to read subtitles <laughs> for every episode. It, it was it was phenomenal. The acting was amazing. The storyline was amazing. Um, just, just everything. The script, everything was just really, really good. So, 4.75. Yes, yes, yes. I am giving it 4.75 popcorns. I spilled a little bit when they handed it over the counter to me. But other than that, my bucket is still completely full. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving 4.75 as well. We agree on that. Like I said, we loved it. Just different reasons and had different ideas about ESO. But um, yeah, that's when they misunderstood. And I said, no butter. And they put butter. So I had to scrape that butter <laughs> off, you know. But um, it was still other than that. I got it before the butter seeped in and clogged all my arteries. But yeah, um, it, it was amazing. 4.75 so if you have not watched it please, um, please go and watch it on Netflix. check out it one class on Netflix it is amazing and it's not one of those shows where you have usually I'll say oh you have to give it the first two or three episodes no from beginning to and, end you are and it's only in. It's 16 okay. episodes what I want to say is it's 16 episodes and um Korean dramas only get one season like they usually only do once it's very rare that they do a second season so it's one season 16 episodes but you will not be disappointed it is absolutely phenomenal 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 and join us so that brings us to an end this week so please be sure to join us next week when we review enola holmes also on netflix and until then thanks for joining us on the popcorn wind down check out the daily wind down every day on the popcornwinddown.com and until next time i'm tim <laughs> My bad. I'm Eddie. It's all Timmy. Bye. Bye.